Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a very special sneak preview of American Billiard Radio. The show tonight is brought to you in part by Simona's Cloth. Authentic, accurate, always, since 1680. Today is December 5th, 2013. And, you know, we have a pretty good little show lined up for you tonight. We're going to hear from, uh, oh, we're going to hear from Mark Cantrell. We're going to hear from Allison Fisher. We're going to hear from Barry Hearn himself. We would like to have heard from Mr. Mike Howerton, but unfortunately he is en route back from the Moscone Cup tournament, so he will not be able to be with us tonight. And he sends his apologies. Before we go any further, though, I would like to, uh, geez, thank everybody for tuning in and checking out the show tonight. Uh, We hope to be with you every week, uh, bringing you some good information and fun stuff to talk about. But now we're going to talk a little about the State of the Union. And um, what do we mean by State of the Union? Well, we're talking about uh, the state of the pool and billiard industry in this country right about now. You know, pool has been a, a uh, exceptionally popular pastime in this country from the get-go, and so it's a bit surprising to uh, to see things uh, as disorganized as they might be today. Uh, it's not due to lack of good intentions there are plenty of people out there that uh, want to see the sport and see the industry do well but uh, I don't know there seems to be some inexplicable reason why things are not uh, more successful than they are at this point and you know it begs the question is it simply a matter of economics is it a bad time to invest in recreation uh, is it politics? Is it the fact that some entities prefer to look out for themselves more so than uh, than the industry as a whole? Or perhaps it's even the bad name that uh, follows pool and billiards around because of the uh, uh, seedy characters that have permeated it throughout history. Uh, you know, I think it's honestly a little bit of everything. Um, this might be comparable to uh, the perfect storm. Uh, you know, when when uh, things are up, they're up. And when things are down, uh, they seem to go down. And that sounds kind of silly to say, but uh, when you got one thing going against you, it's so much easier for uh, other things to stack up against you and, and compound the problems, you know. Uh, if, if you're dealing with any sport uh, that's been tainted, uh, you've already got a strike against you. Um, then you want to try to bring it out to the public and throw in a couple of seedy characters and a money scam, and the next thing you know, nobody wants to hear anything about pool for the next 10 years, 20 years. So, I mean, it's not unusual for um, that to happen. It's happened before. Um, seem Can't seem to escape it sometimes. <laughs> You know, but then again, um, pool and billiards is is also riddled with brilliance. It's riddled with uh, 
some truly uh, astounding players that can do things with the cue and balls that uh, that nobody else can do. Uh, trust me, if it was easy, I'd be a professional, <laughs> and so would you. Uh, it's it takes a tremendous amount of uh, time and practice and effort, uh, and commitment to be a professional level player, and so uh, which means it's not easy. And as such, it makes for a really great competitive game and a really great competitive sport, uh, which makes it that hard, that much harder to understand why uh, something that takes so much skill and effort uh, could be looked upon so badly uh, by so many. Uh, you know, it's uh, in a lot of ways, pool is its own worst enemy. Um, some of the uh, the people who want things to succeed the most are some of the people that end up doing uh, some of the worst things for the sport uh, as a whole. So hopefully uh, in the future, you know, we can look forward to learning from the past and learning from uh, the mistakes that people have made. And hopefully uh, it will be soon <laughs> that uh, we see uh, perhaps a paradigm shift and uh, the people that can make a difference will make a difference. That's what we hope for. Um, speaking of learning from the past, you know, uh, it's a little bit of a coincidence that uh, today, exactly today, December the 5th, 1913, 100 years ago to this day, there was a tournament being held in Kansas City, Missouri between the great Benny Allen and Charles Weston, two straight pool players from uh, from that time who were both very well-known and very successful uh, in their fields. Uh, they had it out in a three-day match for the Brunswick Diamond... Man, I can't even talk. For the Brunswick Diamond Emblem which was valued at somewhere in the neighborhood of about three grand at the time. Uh, and for those of you with uh, math skills, here's a little conversion for you. Three grand in 1913 would equate to roughly $68,000 today. Now, let me ask you this. Who plays pool for a $68,000 diamond emblem today. What did they do differently in 1913 that we're doing today, uh, that we're not doing today, excuse me, that uh, could make the prize worth so much, so much more than uh, what people, the professionals, play for today? That's a really good question. And the answer is that they built a professional system. It was an amateur ranking system that qualified you to play as a professional in the first place. And the professional ranks were uh, organized and subsidized by the industry. And of course, now that's not to say that that's the best system there is to use, but the system was intact. That's the difference. And when you were a professional pool player then you were treated as a professional just as any other professional athlete would be today which of course 
brings you back to the uh, original point of uh, what the reputation can do to a perfectly good institution. Um, nowadays, if you say I'm a professional pool player, um, people will probably automatically think one of two things. You're uh, a hustler or, or, or you have a part-time job at the sandwich shop and you like to play pool on the weekends. It's uh, not exactly the same, uh, looked upon the same as it was in the professional circles of the past. And so I think um, to get to the crux of the issue, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, I th- hope that the people that can make a difference do make a difference, and I hope that they start from the bottom and uh, bring some integrity and some respect to the game uh, from the lowest levels all the way up to the top. And uh, it'll be a beautiful day when they do. And of course, anything that we can do to help, of course, we're we're all in. We're all in, ladies and gentlemen. We will do anything we could uh, or anything we can to uh, help to get the word out and to spread the uh, spread the gospel of uh, making this a better industry to play in and a better industry to work in and a better industry to be in so let's all uh, keep your eyes to the sky and uh, aim high as they say and now we're going to move along with the show and I am Happy to bring you a special report from GoPlayPool.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the GoPlayPool Featured Room of the Week segment. We'll be highlighting the best billiard rooms in the country and talking to their owners. My name is Marianne with the GoPlayPool app, and we'd like to thank the American Billiard Radio staff for giving us this segment. They'll be offering a weekly exploration of pool and billiard culture from sea to shining sea. And today we're talking to Sal Sonobogun Butera, the owner of Butera's Billiards in Moore Park, California. And if you've never been to Moore Park, it has quite a rich history. Established in 1887, it was one of the first cities to run off of nuclear power. And it was also the first city to have a pet tiger escape from a residence in 2005. Just a little trivia for you. So today I've got Mr. Sal, son of a gun, Butera, on the line. Welcome to the show, Sal. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so for the listeners who don't know your name, can you tell us a little bit about your background and about the nickname, son of a gun? Well, um, years ago, and currently my father is a Hall of Famer world champion. His nickname is Machine Gun Lou Butera. I was given to him by players in uh, New York that were watching him for his rapid play. Um, I actually started playing when I was 17, traveled back to the East Coast with my father and had a similar style of play since watching him. So um, someone actually reached out over about me and gave me the nickname Son of a Gun. Nice. <laughs> that, is, that is your guys' trademark, the, the fast play for sure. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, I'm trying to slow down. I can't. I can't perform as fast as he did. Yeah. I think that, but uh, my mind and my body doesn't work as fast as it. <laughs> the arm doesn't want to cooperate. <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about your room, Butera's Billiards. Well, we've got uh, a place out in North Park, California, which is um, Ventura County. It's about 45 minutes north of the LA uh, Hollywood area. 
it's a great little place. We've got um, 10 pool tables, they're all diamond tables, um, got a bar, food, pretty, pretty nice little place. Right on. How long have you guys been open? Actually, uh, November this year was five years. Oh, congratulations. Thanks. Great. So, what, what sets your room apart from other rooms in the area? Well, I think a big part of what we do, I'm, I'm just usually there myself and my wife uh, six to seven days a week. I've got some real good staff. I've got a couple of girls that are really uh, hardworking, friendly with people. We've got fantastic equipment again. We've got diamond tables, uh, pro cue balls, and the, the best balls you can get. Um, good surrounding, good, uh, good atmosphere. Oh, sounds great. Um, how about how about pricing on on table time and stuff like that? Uh, we, I think we're pretty reasonable. We're probably uh, in line with everybody. It's not a little bit uh, lower. Um, we do offer a lot of specials, a daily player rates for ten dollars all day. Uh, try and get new players coming in and uh, joining in with uh, different people. Mm-hmm. And do you guys hold any um, tournaments or leagues or anything like that? So for our listeners to know, what types of leagues do you hold? We do um, APA and BCA both. We do APA four days a week and BCA um, on Tuesday and Thursday. Great. Who do we need to contact to be a part of your leagues or tournaments? Uh, anyone can call the pool room at any time. Um, our phone number is 805-523-3088 or get on our website, futuristbillions.com. Also, you can also just go to any uh, site as far as like an APA or DCA site. We're LinkedIn. We have our own uh, sites that uh, link with those companies or those individual um, operators, and they'll get in, get in touch with us directly. Okay, great. What is your favorite part of your room? <laughs> favorite part of the room? <laughs> That's really tough. Actually, um, the favorite part is just uh, being able to sit actually in the front of the building and view the whole room. It's all glass front and being able to see all the tables going and uh, all the action that's going on inside. Right on. Really took us a long time to uh, to build that up. Well, that's good. It it gives everybody on the outside a glimpse of what's going on. That's cool. Um, So what kind of food and, and drinks do you have? You guys have a full bar? Well, it's, uh, it's a modified bar. We've got only certain alcohol, you know, vodka, tequila, mm-hmm. well stuff. Um, and we've got uh, beer and wine going all the time. As far as food, we've got, for, for a bar menu or a pool menu, it's, it's decent. We don't have a full kitchen, but we've got everything from uh, meatball sandwiches to hot links and fries and egg rolls, etc. Pretty good. Cool. Now, what is your favorite item on your menu? Alright, it's called a, a brick. It's a meatball sandwich open space we do on a grill with um, blade meatballs, marinara. It's pretty spectacular. We run out all the time. It's probably the best food I've had in the pool in a while. Are you running out all the time because you're the one eating them all? <laughs> uh, I, I, got, uh, I got cured of that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, what other amenities do you offer other than pool? 
probably the strongest guys that play in California. I've got a lot of guys that qualify for playing out in uh, Vegas, and actually one just qualified for a European trip. Um, so I do, I do Dart League. I've uh, got a handful of uh, big screen TVs, which we do uh, you know, all the uh, football and all the different packages. So we've got sports going on all the time for everybody. And uh, most importantly for, for us, man, I've always tried to lead by example and get all the players. We've got as much action as any pool room in, in California that I could think of. I mean, we've got guys from every skill level, guys and girls, every skill level playing. They were playing last night again. I mean, this just if someone comes in and wants to have a good time and, and uh, get it on, we, we kind of encourage it to, mm-hmm. to get people playing. And uh-huh. um, it's, it's a great time. Well, great. Um, so the next time I come down to Butera's Billiards, can I get a free lesson from you or your dad? Absolutely. You know, I, I know how much he loves you, so I may have to fight him for giving him a lesson, but <laughs> you got a lesson, no problem. Right on, man. And please do tell him I said hi when you see him. Will do. All right, Sal. All right, is there anything you want to add before we wrap it up, Sal? No, I just uh, really appreciate everything you guys are doing with the game. Um, you know, we've always tried to do as much as we can with pool and, and keep it uh, firing all cylinders. You guys are doing a great job. Great. I appreciate that, Sal. We're, we're working hard. And again, I would like to thank the podcast producers for giving us this segment. And thank you to Sal Batera for taking the time to talk with us. I can't wait to get down there for some pool and food and... All that good stuff. And my free lesson. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait to have you. All right. Thanks, Sal. All right. Thanks, Sal. Butera's Billiards will be one of the featured rooms on the Go Play Pool app, so please make sure you download it for yourself. It's free, and it's available on both Android and iOS. Just search the keyword Go Play Pool, one word. You'll get to see everything that Butera's Billiards has to offer, from amenities to contact information and schedules for tournaments and leagues and much more. If you'd like your room to be a featured room in this segment, contact Go Play Pool by visiting their website or shooting a message directly through the app. Remember, the app is free, so check it out. Again, we'd like to thank the American Billiards Radio staff for this segment and letting us highlight the best rooms in the country. Welcome back to American Billiards Radio. This is Mark Cantrell with the Legends and Champions Report. What's going on in pool today? Why is the uh, not the unification that maybe needs to be there? It's a hot topic. Everybody has their opinions on it, whether they're right or whether they're wrong. We've all got ideas. Um, but, you know, I'm going to start with the uh, Moscone Cup. And it's not necessarily about the Moscone Cup itself. It's about the creator of the Moscone Cup. As you know, Janet Lee and Barry Hearn are being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well-deservedly so. I think uh, both of them have done so many things uh, for pool and the exposure of pool in general that they should be commended for it. Um, my, my topic really is about Barry Hearn. I think most people know Janet Lee and know her story. Uh, being from England, I, I grew up watching matchroom sports come to fruition, come to the powerhouse they are today. Uh, snooker was huge uh, while I was growing up. That's what got me interested in the first place in, in Q Sports. Uh, 
everybody used to play snooker, especially in the 80s. They hit a boom. And Barry Hearn was actually going back. He was the first, or sorry, the youngest chartered accountant in Britain. Now, you know, you, I, I believe there are scales on accounting. And in England, you know, you've got your bookkeeper, you've got an accountant, and then you've got a chartered accountant. That's as good as it gets. That's the highest accolade you can get. And he was the youngest one uh, in, in Britain to, to become a chartered accountant. For whatever reason, whether it was for a tax write-off or he was looking for an investment opportunity, he ended up buying a snooker club in, I believe it's Romford, Essex, and became fascinated with the sport. And, and while he was uh, the proprietor, owner of the snooker club, he met a young man named Steve Davis. Steve Davis, uh, in their own words, in the 80s, became a winning machine and just couldn't lose. He didn't drink, didn't smoke, went to bed early and just got the business done. He spent hours and hours of practice. And Barry became his manager and they worked together. And from that, Barry then, uh, once a little success was... Uh, behind him, maybe a little cash flow, I, I, I really don't know, uh, began recruiting other players to the matchroom stable of players, Terry Griffith, Tony Mayo, uh, just, just to name a few, a lot of the top stars, and he created an image for them, and an image for matchroom sports. They had a, a, a hit song uh, in the UK called Snooker Loopy, and anybody from the UK probably will remember that. Or we'll have heard it at some point. Matchroom had slippers, bedspreads, snooker tables, colognes. He he really worked his magic on the Matchroom brand for snooker. And obviously one thing led to another. He got bigger and bigger. And it seems to me that with Barry, if he's interested in a sport and he can see any kind of viability financially for it he's gonna work on it and man does he get results if you just look at what matchroom do for sports in general i'm talking about live tv sports i'm not talking about regional tournaments or anything else i'm talking about televised worldwide sports i think he controls ping pong he has a, a big influence on the boxing scene. Fishing. God only knows. Fishing? Are you serious? So to me, if Barry Hearn, obviously snooker, darts as well, and, uh, and pool. And I believe, and I've said this before, if Barry Hearn believed that one-legged one -legged, ass-kicking contests would be popular in the United States of America, or anywhere in the world, and he enjoyed watching it, he could make it big. He could make it as big as he wanted. So, based on that, now switching over to this kind of the state of the union, if you've got a man who to me is a genius, who can make ping pong and fishing 
popular around the world and get millions of TV viewers. Why does he only have, I, I believe it's three events, three major pool events that he puts on each year? Now, don't get me wrong, those events are all spectacular events that pay the players well, and uh, they've got a lot of razzle-dazzle and pizzazz about them. But why is he only stopping at three? Obviously, Moscone Cup is probably, uh, undoubtedly, the biggest event in uh, professional pool anywhere in the world. What is it that's stopping him from going any further? And that is where the State of the Union comes about. Is there no chance for Paul? Is his opinion that three events per year is all that the market can bear? Is that all the market can take? Are there not enough Paul and Billiards fans around the world? I believe there are. Apparently, there's uh, Shanghai, China. There are uh, hundreds of uh, Paul and Billiards clubs and pool halls there's more in shanghai than there is anywhere in the world from what i hear now that's up for question i have no real proof on that so the fans are there what's stopping him maybe it's the incohesiveness of the entire industry there's some great people in this industry Fabulous people who want to do the right thing. Obviously, we can talk about some of the the main players. Uh, obviously, there's Mark Griffin. Obviously, there's Justin Collette from the Action Report. There's uh, Body from the Ultimate Ten Ball, who, as we all know, put out a press release recently talking about that. You can catch all that on uh, azbillions.com on their main page. Um. Each one seems to have a problem of one kind or the other uh, as to why it cannot be cohesive and a unity where everybody works together. Mark Griffin puts on tournaments. He's got his set of supporters that love him. He's got his set of supporters that can't stand him for whatever reason. It doesn't matter what the reason is. There's clicks. There's uh, sides to each story, I guess. you got Charlie Williams. He puts on events. He does a lot of different things. Again, he's got his lovers. He's got his haters. Barry Berman of the U.S. Open. He only really does one event. I think he's tr he tried to do the uh, a second event that didn't really turn out for him. You've got uh, Greg Sullivan from Diamond, who've tried to do tu the Tunica Southern Classic event, and also uh, obviously the Derby City uh, e events that he puts on that are huge uh, for for pool. I'm sure he's got his haters too. I really haven't heard much said about uh, Greg Sullivan, to be honest, as, as far as being uh, uh, not disliked for any reason. I'm sure they're out there, though. Uh, we've all got people who dislike us for whatever reason it might be. Um, I think that if these guys could all get together, but it will never happen. If they could get together, something could work out. A real players organization could get together. Um, what I'm going to do is we're going to have to take a quick break, and I will be back right after this, and we'll co I'll continue my rant and my opinions on the uh, State of the Union. 
Welcome back, American Billiard Radio. The Legends and Champions Report with myself, Mark Cantrell. Before the break, I was mentioning names of promoters and maybe the uh, the top dogs in the pro pool industry as far as promoters go. This is Mark Griffin. Obviously, there's Mike Zuglin. There's uh, Alan Hopkins, uh, the Super Billiards Expo. There's, there's lots of good people out there. Uh, I mentioned Justin Collette. That's probably unfair to mention Justin, uh, although he is one of the main guys in the industry. He's not, he doesn't do the same kind of, he doesn't do tournaments like Mark Griffin, Zuglin, Charlie Williams, etc. Uh, Alan Hopkins, uh, Barty. He does, Justin does what he does, and he does it well, and kind of stays out of the way for the most part, from what I can see. He just uh, gets on with what he does and does it well and, leave, and leaves everybody else alone. So, he's not really a, a part of the infighting, I don't believe. The infighting comes because, the, to me, the pie is just too small. The pool world is, as we all know, that especially professional pool world, isn't very big. And there's only so much to go around, and everybody wants to protect their piece of the pie, and that's, uh, that's understandable. I'm the smallest fish in the pool and billiards pond, and I don't want to lose my slice of the pie either, so I'm not blameless. But we can't just talk about the promoters being the ones that are doing the infighting and not getting along and not really wanting to, one doesn't work, want to work with another one for whatever reason that might be. It really doesn't matter what the reason is, the fact is they just don't want to. I think that we can't exclude the players themselves from some of the disarray. The players are not blameless here. They've brought a lot of things upon themselves. The ABP, great concept. The initial idea to start the ABP was a good one. But as it's morphed, and Bonus Ball came along, and it's caused some problems. Now, I can't put words in uh, Johnny Archer's mouth or anybody else on the board with the ABP. But I'm pretty, I know Johnny fairly well, and I think if uh, maybe, maybe I can get an interview with him in the upcoming weeks, maybe he'll spend a little bit of time and give me his thoughts and uh, share his thoughts and opinions with us on it. But I think if you ask Johnny, he, will, he would tell you that they've made their fair share of mistakes, and they know it, whether it be uh, um, the PR, the way the PR is being handled, whether it be with... Uh, the ABP itself, or uh, bonus ball, and, and things like that. I think that he would uh, he'd probably admit that the players are also uh, to blame. So, with that, I'm going to go back to Barry Hearn of Metron Sports. Barry, to me, as I said, is a genius. If he thought that he could televise one-legged ass-kicking contests, they would be popular, and they would be broadcast around the world. With all the things that he does, fishing, ping-pong, 
boxing, everything successful that he touches. So, if Barry was to come and say, listen, I think there is a future for Poole, but I must have total control, which, from my knowledge of Metrum Sports and Barry Hearn, he would not come into this without having total control. And you may say, well, that's not right. You can't just have one guy ruling everything. Well, there's, there's, there's something to be said for that. I agree. However, look at where we are right now by following the thought process that we've been following. I think that Barry has, and Matchroom have, the respect and support not only of the players, but also of the other promoters within the industry and the uh, business people, whether it be Q's, Q dealers, or table manufacturers. I think he's got the, uh, the respect from everybody. And if he was to say, listen, I'll take over, I'm sure it would be inclusive of the current promoters. So we wouldn't really lose any of the events that we already have, whether it be Derby City, if Body decides to do the 10-ball again, or um, the U.S. Open 10-ball, 8-ball, and the Super Billiards Expo. Along with the events that Matchroom Sports already do, now we may have something here. If Barry can just put his little piece of magic onto the existing events and be inclusive of the current events, I think that would be the answer. I think it'd be the perfect answer. And he would be able to control it. And tell players, listen, bad behavior, you're gone. You cannot play anymore. This is a professional organization. And if you want to be a part of it, you've got to conform and do it the way it's supposed to do. That way, I believe the prize money would go up, exposure would go up, there'd be a lot more televised events. I'm uh, pretty sure of that. I, I believe that he may be the only one that can save it. Because if we look at the 2014 calendar right now, I've said it before, I'll say it again, it's weak. We've got one Turning Stone event. That does not, that's not Mike Zuglin's fault. That's something to do with the casino being refurbished or something going on there. So that's not really a hit, but... The fact remains, there is only one Tony Stone instead of two. There's the Derby City. Mark Griffin has stated that he is going to... I don't think it's been actually put there out in a press release to this point, but Mark Griffin and CSI have said their events are going to become uh, invitationals. 16-man invitationals. I guess that's going to be his choice as he gets closer, if he's going to stick by that. Uh, body of the Ultimate Ten Ball, he's not going to do that this year. Now, maybe if Barry Hearn came back, there's a real good chance he would say, listen, I'll put another 75000 up, added money, uh, as long as, you know, Barry Hearn is, is running things, and he can see the cohesiveness. Tunica, the Southern Classic, it's not happening. So when we really boil down to it, well, the U.S. Open, every year, who knows if the U.S. Open's going to be on. It seems like the last few years, there's always been talk. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Fortunately, it's happened for one reason or another, whether it was the BCA getting involved one year and the ABP, or, or how it's all worked. But 
it's worked. So hopefully that will uh, remain. So we'd have one turning stone, US Open, some invitationals, which means a lot of players will not be included, and Derby City. Super Billy's Expo, if um, Alan Hopkins decides he's going to do an ABP event again, and the uh, added money becomes $8,000 instead of the 25000 that it has been previously, well, it's still a tournament, I suppose. It's not a big tournament anymore, though. All the players will probably go because the Expo, some are sponsored, some of the sponsors are there and uh, want them there to appearance at the, at the booth and things like that. But if it goes down, if it's down to 8,000, I think there's a lot of $8,000 tournaments around the country. So it's nothing any, it's nothing really special. So we're down to maybe three or four major pro events scattered out throughout the year. That's pretty, pretty glum. Again, if Barry Hearn decided he wanted to get involved, I think he could uh, really put some pizzazz to those events that are current, and some would come back. Like I say, Batty, uh, body of the uh, Ultimate Ten Ball may come back. Plus the Matchroom Sports events that he already does. He might be the savior. That's uh, that. That's my opinion. I don't know whether I'm. You know, I've been wrong many times before. I'm not always right. But if anybody's got the connections with uh, Barry Hearn, and you can make him uh, come out of his uh, shell and take over pool in the United States, I think that's the best chance we've got. As we know at this point, um, Europe has beaten the USA again uh, in the Moscone Cup. I congratulate Team Europe. Uh, they did a, a great job. Uh, they took advantage of the situations as they could. And maybe they got some good roles. You know, maybe they didn't. You know, sometimes when you're on a positive note, as we all know, if you're playing well, everything seems to go your way. If you're not playing so good, you know, things don't always go your way. After after the first day, day one of the Moscone Cup, it was, uh, you'd hate to say it's over with. I mean, I carried on watching. But if it had been a little closer, maybe the fans would have... Uh, got a little louder, the team would have had more excitement behind them, and uh, it could have been a lot closer if not uh, if not uh, for the USA actually winning the whole thing. But congratulations to Team Europe. Uh, commiserations to Team USA. There's always next year. And I will leave it at that. Thank you for joining us on American Billiard Radio, the Legends and Champions Report, with myself, Mark Cantrell. I'm not always right. I'm sure I will uh, get my fair share of phone calls and, uh, and messages uh, regarding this. So, until next time, thanks for joining us, and I look forward to it. Hello everyone and welcome to our first edition of Pool on the Grind here on American Billiard Radio. I'm your host Allison Fisher of NYCGrind.com and it is my honor to join the talented cast of this new program. 
For this week's show, I'll be covering the Moscone Cup, which just finished on Wednesday, December 4th. The Moscone Cup's battle between USA and Europe never fails to stir up buzz and excitement for both the fans and players, and the 2013 Moscone Cup was definitely no exception. The 20th anniversary of the Moscone Cup was held here in Las Vegas at the Mirage Hotel and Casino, and the outcome was a shocker as Europe demolished USA 11-2, to which led to the event ending a day early. In the aftermath of the Cup, two special guests are joining me on the show, Matchroom Sport Chairman Barry Hearn and Team Europe Captain and renowned professional coach Johan Ruzing of the Netherlands. Barry will be joining us after the break, followed by Johan, so stay tuned. We'd like to welcome to the program Johan Reijink, the team captain for the winning Moscone Cup Team Europe. And first of all, congratulations on Thank another you. successful Moscone Cup victory. What would you say is the feeling overall for the team and for yourself? Um, delighted uh, because uh, you know, it's uh, a big win. It's an historic win, 11-2. Uh, we once got beaten 2001 12-1 and uh, we feel like we erased that score uh, scored even at least and uh, in the total score we, we went now to 11-8 so uh, yeah we're delighted and one thing i've seen in common from a lot of the players is that they give a lot of credit for you for being uh, a mentor and for being the glue that holds the team together. What do you think are some of the key aspects that you instill in your team? Well, first of all, they are the world-class players, so uh, <laughs> it's kind of easy to work with them, in my opinion. Uh, I need to canalize their energy, their quality, and their team spirit, uh, and make them um, aware that you can't win alone. And uh, they are very... Uh, willing to learn and very trustful to me so uh, these are basic ingredients for me to work with them and it seems to uh, work as a team with me uh, as a captain so uh, that's great now what do you think are some of the main bases that team europe stepped head and shoulders above usa what set them apart well you know it's hard for me to uh, to to think about team USA all that much, but it seemed that they were not ready for the job this time. They were not up to it, they were not prepared, and uh, it showed on the table. They made mistakes that they shouldn't have made, they were not uh, as consistent as they normally are, and uh, it's a shame because it doesn't uh, do their, it doesn't give credit to the talent that they have, because talent-wise and as far as class comes, you know, this score should have been much closer. Absolutely. So it's a shame that uh, that they were not up to being a team this year, and I, I'm my heart bleeds for Johnny because he's a good good friend of mine. I call him a friend, 
and I think he's a real person and um, I'm, I'm, I've met him a long time ago and uh, he's one of my big examples in, in pool and I always said uh, if he, he'll be the captain I'll, I'll start worrying but uh, unfortunately uh, his team uh, let him down. Now one thing that I find interesting is that when the Moscone Cup first began there was such a stark difference between the level of players on either side, I think a lot of things were different about the game then. Yes. How do you think the Moscone Cup has affected the players in Europe? Is it been something you think was uh, impactful? Um, well, first of all, we had a great tour, Euro tour, that we uh, that that came around like it was always there, but eight years ago it started to be more professional. Uh, six, seven big tournaments in a year, and all the players were there. It's, that's like an average of 220 players, of which 40 players can win. So a very high level. And I always said competition creates quality, so you shouldn't fear competition, you should embrace it. Um, but in the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2008, 2009, around there, players are actually playing this tour and on the World Championships and other big tournaments to get into the Moscone Cup squad. This is such a hard competition, so many players who can make it, that everyone wants to play the big tournaments to have results that gives them a, a, a place in the Moscone Cup. So it has been, and it, it still is, uh, uh, something that inspires them and that makes them play and want to play good. So, yeah, Moscone Cup makes a difference. Absolutely, and I think it's made a difference for the world of pool as well in yes. general. Yes. Do you have any other last thoughts you'd like to share about the overall experience here this year? Well, I also must say that uh, I don't really want to say this, but I'm a smoker, so <laughs> I go outside a lot. And so I meet a lot of the American fans, and uh, they were very respectful to us, very respectful to me, and uh, I want to thank them for that. They tried very hard to support the team. When we came out here the first day, we were like, wow, <laughs> what's happening here? But... Uh, uh, well, you know, it's credit to my team that they silenced them down uh, a little bit, but still they uh, they uh, supported the team uh, big time, and uh, I want to thank them for that. I want to thank them for being great sports, and I do think that the, uh, the Moscone Cup atmosphere can't be there if they are not there. So thanks to the supporters. All right, well, thank you very much, Johan, for joining us on our inaugural edition of the American Billiard Radio. It's been a real pleasure, and I want to congratulate you and your team on an excellent performance. Okay, thanks, Amazon. like to welcome Barry Hearn, chairman of Matchroom Sport, to the show and also newly inducted BCA Hall of Fame member. And we are just coming off the end of the 20th Moscone Cup. How are you doing, sir? Well, it's great. Good to talk to you and congratulations on everything you're doing in the world of pool. And of course, you've had the pleasure of being at the biggest pool event in the world this week. So well done to you as well. Thank you very much. And it's really a pleasure to be able to speak with you and have have us here at this monumental event. Of course, this was not the sort of expected outcome that we were expecting at all. So what 
can you say about the overall? Well, I think it's a, it's a, it's always disappointing when something ends early because when you're watching Great Pool, you want to watch it forever. But let's be honest, you've got to take it on the chin. The Americans weren't good enough. The European team came into this competition on a high. Every single player was playing lifetime best pool. So the Americans ran into a brick wall. Um, I think they've got the character to come back, but there's going to be some soul-searching that goes on because... You know, since uh, I think about 10 years ago, there was a 12-1 victory to the United States in England, and and the event finished a day early. Uh, and you've seen a pendulum swing in the world of pool since then. The dominance of the American has gone, and we, the dominance of the Europeans over the last four years has re-emerged. Uh, this is a worrying time for American pool players. They're going to have to come up to the plate and get better, and and it's going to be tough because the European game is getting stronger by year by year. Now, in speaking to many of the players, and I just spoke to Niels Fahen, who earned the title of Moscone Cup MVP, many people credit uh, Captain Johan, uh, you can pronounce his Richter. last name yeah, yeah. for me. Uh, can you speak at all about his Yeah, I mean, Johan's been, uh, been involved as captain of the European team for the last few years, and it's no secret to say that the improvement of the European team is largely down to him as well. The players are great players. You need that first. Any captain needs a great team. He's got a great team. It's then how you make the great individuals in that team mould together and play as a team, be focused, and actually deliver on the day. Johan's strength has actually been in that department. He's gathered together the boys. Uh, he's like a mother hen. You know, he organises them. You know, Johan begins his planning nine months before a Moscone. You know, he lives, he lives the dream and he wants to make sure his team can produce on the day. And I think an awful lot of credit has to go to him. They're a well-organised, well-controlled team of excellent individuals. They're tough to beat. And also, in speaking of the Moscone Cup being in its 20th year, what would you say is one of the biggest impacts the Moscone Cup has had on the world of pool? Because, in my opinion, it has really brought a new level of uh, excitement, professionalism, and overall a more exciting experience for fans. Yeah, I think the key word here with pool is a word that's missing in my language. The word is respect. This is a great game played by nearly 40 million Americans regular, on a regular basis. But the sport doesn't or hasn't had the respect, of the, as particularly from the broadcasters in America. They've treated it as a blue-collar sport of no significance. And that is mm -hmm. a big, bad decision by the broadcasters in America. I hope and I pray that that is changing. The only way it will change is by example. So what we've done is, because Matchroom Sport are very lucky to work with a huge broadcaster in England called Sky TV, who have a real passion for sport, they commit resources necessary to show the event in its real colour, which is a huge marquee event. They've given the sport respect. Those pictures now, I mean, today's Moscone Cup here, or this week's Moscone Cup, the TV production cost alone was over a million dollars. Now, that's a huge amount of money for Paul, but it shows you that we used 20 cameras. We gave the game respect and the players respect. Those pictures are being broadcast to 600 million homes around the world. People are watching a different pool. They're watching crowds. They're watching atmosphere. They're watching great players. Do you know what? The players are always great, but if you don't show them, if it's a secret, no one knows. So we've shouted from the rooftops and we are re-educating the world to what a great game Paul is. And now, if the American broadcasters pick up that bandwagon, perhaps we're on the cusp 
of a new era in Paul, an era of respect. And that's, what, that's the one key word we're looking for. With respect comes money, comes exposure, comes marketing, comes big prize funds, comes aspirational sport for kids to, to, to pick up and play because they see their heroes driving around in Ferraris and Maseratis and they're earning millions of dollars. That's down the road. But we've got to get that journey underway. And we can't just be a parochial little hick sport. We're not. We're a major global sporting brand and people better understand it quickly. Absolutely. I think that's the big difference. There needs to be a shift in opinion, a shift in overall perspective for the game to be able to move in a positive direction because as things stand, uh, it could be said that this is a reflection of the state of pool. Yeah, I think you're right. I think perception is everything. When people, you know, I always say, you know, if you... If you have any relationship, you know, whether it's a, a sporting relationship, a personal relationship, it has to be built on respect. Both sides have to respect each other. The respect has not been coming from broadcasters and sponsors alike because the perception of the sport has been that it's a blue-collar, doesn't-matter sport. Whereas the reality is we can do shows like the Moscone Cup, rolled, rammed out, sold out, televised around the world, big international sponsors involved, great TV coverage suddenly people wake up and say are we missing a trick the american broadcasters are missing a huge trick it's under their nose but they're so stuck up thinking about basketball college basketball soccer football you know baseball wherever right underneath their nose is a gold mine and they've overlooked it because you have to work on a gold mine you have to take the first few feet off before you find the gold Mm -hmm. it can't just be sitting there looking at you you've got to put some work in and we've been working on, this is the 20th Moscone, we started this event in a bowling alley in provincial England with 50 people watching. And it's taken 20 years to make it a global brand. Now, it, today you can do things quicker with social medias, excellent podcasts like yours, spreading the gospel. But, you know, you need to have partners with you that share that vision and are prepared to roll their sleeves up and get stuck in. They have to believe. If there's no passion, there's no point. So now is the time for everyone to game together. And maybe the fact that Europe have inflicted a humiliating defeat on the Americans, maybe that kickstarts it. Maybe it opens the, the doors to a new era of young players coming through saying, geez, I can do better than that. And that's what we have to wait and see. But I'm excited about the future. Well, I want to say that you and Matchroom have been a great source of inspiration and also uh, fantastic leadership for the sport and I think that if people continue to believe, continue to have faith that things can get to a greater level for the sport around the world, we need to step up and be leaders. You, you need mm-hmm. to step up to play. In all honesty, you know how modest I am. The answer is I'm not at all modest. <laughs> I'm simply the best in the world at what I do. But you know what? I'm one person with one company. We need six Barry Hearns. In America, Absolutely. and each mm-hmm. one should say, "I'm going to do three events. I'm going to do. I'm just going to do three events, and I'm going to do them really, really well." And then you start to build a global sport, and America can once again lead the way. And unless that's made, you know, you're in serious trouble. You're in serious trouble, and it's a shame. Forty million Americans play this game. They can't be wrong. This is a great game. It has its history in America. It has its great Hall of Fame players coming from America. So now someone needs to take responsibility. We will do our best. But you know it's about everyone pulling together. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for joining us on American Billiard Radio, and we wish you all the best with the future Moscone Cups and all the fantastic events. And once again, congratulations on your induction. Very well deserved. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. And once again, I'm so proud to be part of the beginning of a new birth of a great radio station across America. Spread the word. Tell the gospel. Let's not be a secret. Let's shout it from the rooftops. God bless America. All right. Well, thank you very much once again, Barry. Thanks, darling. Thank you. And a special thanks to you all for joining us tonight. We sure hope you'll listen in next week when we continue our State of the Union series. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you next time.